Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Songs from a Padded Envelope. My name is Steve and I'm your late night host here with my late night co-host, Ben. <laughs> Indeed you are. Hey there, Steve. The reason for our late night DJ voices will become all too, too apparent shortly. Uh, we've made a return journey to the Faroe Islands for this episode where we are joined by Sigmund Sakharyson a prolific musician who plays guitar in Joe and the Ship Boys and shares with us a wonderful demo from his country band, Cowboy Kex. Ben, I love this demo. <laughs> I really love this demo. And just how perfectly it captures Sigmund's vibe through this conversation. Oh, yeah, it so, it so does, mate. It fits entirely with the, um, with the cadence of his speech and the feel of the whole kind of episode that come, came together. And um, I remember listening after we did the, the interview with Joe, and this, this is a beautiful companion piece. If you put these two episodes side by side, it'd be a really, really good listen as a kind of contrast of tale of opposites. But after speaking with Joe, going and listening to um to the code by kex um the official kind of release of this song which is lovely and then when sigmund sent over this demo version of it which is even more special isn't it as lovely there's a lovely story that gets told about the making of this song and again it's another thing where it really makes total sense when you hear the story listen to the song again it's yeah wonderful absolutely wonderful uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's absolutely brilliant. And and um, as you say, Siggy sort of tees up the tees up the the uh, origin of the song so nicely. I noticed tonight that it's a nice little coincidence that this is episode forty five, and Siggy talks um, and and shares with us um, that the that his how busy he is releasing seven inch singles sometimes for bands that don't even exist. Yeah, it's the man with the passion, isn't it? And I think yeah. we we hadn't tapped into that. We hadn't we didn't have an awareness of that when we came to the interview with with Sigmund, and then he you know and afterwards going and checking out all the stuff that he's done and this yeah this fascination and, and love of seven inches and of um yeah of putting songs out there whether from real or imagined bands um it's yeah it's such a brilliant trajectory to it yeah Siggy's wisdom and motivation for that stuff um I don't want to preempt too much but it's one of my favorite moments from any of our podcasts it 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 hit me like a train mm. when he said it. A very slow moving <laughs> yeah. night 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 train. Yeah, th this is a <laughs> but, this is a man who describes himself as you know as pretty lazy and not you know not achieving very much. But yeah, it's that's far from the truth. Eh? <laughs> this is a man that's highly motivated and in all sorts of directions. And clearly, someone that um um is a bit of a lightning rod for other people. I think in terms of bringing bringing Joe and the Ship Boys together. And then working with tons of other Pharaoh bands, um, and yeah, he's he's a real a mover in the scene, isn't he? Yeah, you can kind of see why, and you, you you sort of speak to the guy and listen to the way that he talks about making music, and it makes you want to make music with him. It's like, oh yeah, well I'll just come around with my guitar now. Let's we'll see what comes out. If we collaborated, what would what would come out? You know? Yeah, <laughs> he's got that he's got that about him. So I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, and now that we've, uh, I don't know I don't know about you, but listening to like the Joe episode again, and uh, and now we've spoken to Siggy. I've kind of got a little bit of a 
Panini sticker book kind of thing going on where I feel like we need to get the set. Well, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a treat? Yeah. But then we, then we'd have to speak to uh, other folks from the Faroe Islands as well. And there's, it's, there seems to be a lot of really interesting creative stuff going on there. And I, um, yeah, I'd quite like to go and check it out firsthand. Yeah. I'd lo- I'd love to go. Having had those conversations with the, both those people and heard some of their insights into you know, the sort of history and uh, and how it is being there and growing up there as a young person. But then the, the path that they've taken, this path of intent and, you know, creativity, which is just spectacular. And, it, you you know, when you listen to the two the two interviews, you wouldn't put those two people in the same band, but they these, these are two people that have made Reason for Hardcore Vibes, which is, you know, a fantastic record, isn't it? Yeah, and there's some little exclusives in this episode as well, aren't there, about future releases, which is quite nice. Yes, yeah. Um, so we should probably go and listen to it. In the show notes for this episode, there are links to the record shop uh, that um, Tutel, I think it's called, which um, Siggy mentions, and also to Skull, the film, one of the films that we talk about uh, in this episode. So check those out, as well as the wonderful music that Siggy's making with Cowboy Kex and uh, myriad other projects um which is there's a link to there's a rabbit hole to go down so before you go down that rabbit hole go and listen to episode 45 of songs from a padded envelope with sigmund zacharyson uh hello um i'm sigmund uh, i play uh, I, I play music in a a, a bunch of stuff um and uh, the the song for today is uh, "Midnight Gale" by uh, Cowboy Cakes, which is me and uh, a friend of mine. It's our uh, it's our uh, uh, second life as, as cowboys. Hey, Siggy, for for the uninitiated, can you explain uh, the name and what is Cowboy Cowboy Cakes? Right. Um, so, um, like uh, like phonetically, like cowboy, like this, it's clearly just a a different way of writing cowboy um and the cakes part is um um it, it means biscuit or, or yeah biscuit so um there's these um um here here in the pharaohs we we've got we've got the uh the the, the you know this those the, the, these biscuits called wagon wheels yeah uh, these candy biscuits and they're just called cowboy biscuits here um, nobody ever calls them wagon wheels. Nobody, nobody would dream of calling them wagon wheels. They've, they've, uh, the pharaohs have got have had uh, English chocolate since uh, since the war, because um, uh, you you guys occupied us and uh, protected us from from the Germans. Um, uh, so we we've had English chocolate for forever now. But but those those things have always been called cowboy biscuits. And it's kind of weird. They they used to be a, a cowboy and a couple of horses and a, uh, a, a, on the biscuits, but uh, I th- I think that that's gone now. I think it's just text these these days. They need to they need to bring the cowboy back. I think, don't they? I, I think so. Uh, he's riding a, a, a f- I forget what it's called, but he's not on the horse. He he's got it's a carriage. Like it's a cowboy on a on a carriage and a a couple of horses. 
I'm just, <laughs> I'm just wondering if there are any other if there are any other chocolate bars that have been that have that have alter egos in the pharaohs. Right. Uh, yeah, there is. There is actually. Um, do you know uh, uh, v, v count? I think they're called. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know those. There is uh, these. Yeah. These mint uh, chocolate mint biscuits and uh, yeah. and this uh, green. Uh, uh, aluminium yeah, green foil. goo on the top of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but they're packed in this green uh, aluminium foil. Yeah, uh, and those those biscuits are pr- basically that they're kind of like the national food of the pharaohs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, like, don't, I don't think you can you can you can't buy Viscount biscuits these days, can you, mate? Haven't you seen? Yeah, 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 you can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh they're oh, yeah. they're big here. Uh, everyone who's like really about about Faroese independence and 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 stuff like that, they love they love those. You um, can keep them. I don't like them at all. Keep, keep all the Viscount biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> but but they're just called green green biscuits. Like, uh, green cakes. Like, uh, of course, they are. A Viscount is way too like. There's a there's a silent S and everything. That that's a that, that's, too, that's too difficult. It's just green biscuits. Uh, uh, the wrapper is green. So. Welcome to our new podcast about biscuits. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. It's, yeah, it's this weird thing. It, like you, you, there's not there's not a whole lot of of, of British uh, uh, culture up here, but like. Tea and, and biscuits has uh, snuck its way. Well, as we were talking about Cowboy Kex, do you want to explain a little bit about uh, how the band came together? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, me and uh, me and this uh, guy called Heydrich, or, or Heyrich, um, he, we've we've known each other for for a while. Like the the the, the fairies um, music. Um, the music scene here is it, it's um, everybody knows each other. It's it's pretty small. It's, it's a it's a small place, but we were uh, he was playing at at Iceland Airwaves uh, a festival in, in yeah in Iceland and um, what was it twenty eighteen I think uh, and we were there as well with the with the Joe and the Ship Boys uh, and afterwards we we went out for drinks um, just to kind of celebrate like I, I don't know a ton of people in Reykjavik but if, you know when 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 you know somebody you you call them and we, we were just sitting me and him we were just sitting at this bar and, and just rambling on about how how we both wanted to make country music and and, and this was this was the result of that uh, like af- afterwards we, we talked about it for a bit like yeah let's make country music yeah let's do this uh I had just recorded a different uh, thing as well that had kind of a country-ish, twangy uh, thing over it, and uh, uh, and he he was right, really into it as well. Uh, so so then then COVID uh, starts uh, a, a few months later, um, and. And we kind of figured we 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 found out that we were neighbors, um, uh, so it, it and I had a I had a basement studio at the the place where I was renting. Uh, me and a friend we were renting this house and 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 we 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 uh, installed this like, just shit pretty shitty studio in the basement. Um, 
so after that, like we were both stuck here in the Faroes and, and I had this tiny studio and uh, us being neighbors, we kind of had to just get started. And now we're here, I guess, <laughs> talking about it. And and we we're pretty much done with the with an album. That's a that's an exclusive for you guys. Fantastic. There's a, there's a really nice sort of fully fledged version of Midnight Gale up for people to go and check out. But uh, but the demo that you sent us over is a really beautiful raw raw take of the song. Can you can you tell us about that recording? That how that how that recording came together. My memory is kind of hazy. Um, I I drink a lot. Um, I, I think we, I think how we, we wrote, we wrote the song, like I, I was, um, I, I, I kind of need context for this. Like Heydrich is, a he's, he's slightly older than I am. So I was kind of intimidated by him. He's like also more, uh, he's more well-known and, and like an established guy up here, uh, compared to me. Um, so he, he kind of proclaimed like, um, have your have a guitar ready, um, have have a b- bottle of wine ready, and we'll, we'll write a song. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, a bottle of wine later, we'd, we'd written that song. Um, and I think we... and th- I think we drank the wine, wrote the song, and then, like, make, made that recording really quickly, uh, just so we wouldn't forget it. And then, uh, a couple of days later or so, we another bottle of wine and we we, we recorded that the, the the full version i think that's how it went down it does have a really love lovely feel to it and now that that now that you've said that there was a, a bottle of wine involved i can kind of hear yeah but it does it does have a really great vibe to it um how about going how is that led into the rest of the records if you've you've made a, a an album's worth of stuff did that yeah. way of working inform the rest of it um not as much with the recording but with the writing it's uh, the wine's still there um i don't know we uh, we we get together a lot to to uh, i don't know there, there's something about being um um drinking buddies and but being like working drinking buddies uh that that seems to um be working and and for you why what's the what's the country influence what's the desire to go and explore making country music the the pharaohs is a weird place uh it's a like the the easiest way of explaining it i i i think i think joe got into it a bit with like with uh with but there actually, it actually makes sense to play punk music here because there's actually, like, there's a lot of uh, right wing types here to rebel against, um, and the, like our our minister of culture right now is like this super right wing guy, um, like super conservative and religious and all that. So in a, in a lot of ways, the Pharaohs are kind of like a, a southern American state that drifted off. So there's a lot of these Baptist churches, and and uh, uh, what what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of country here. There's a hell hell of a lot of country here. Uh, we've got three three or four radio channels, and one is almost exclusively country. 
um, and uh, and it all it, it all stems from uh, back in the fifties, I think fifties sixties. Uh, all, all a lot of the sailors they would they would um, go to Newfoundland. Uh, they'd sail over there, fish, fish and stuff, and and uh, they'd buy uh, they'd buy country records from there and bring them over here. So this this pretty long tradition of country music, like going back to the sixties or or fifties. So so it's in the air for you that that stuff is you know it's it's present. Yeah. So when you're younger, you 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 don't want anything to do with it. You think, oh fuck mm. this man, it's goddamn mm. fucking country music, and then you. Kind of grow up. You you grow slightly older. You find you you sort of realize. Well, Johnny Cash is country. He's kind of cool. Uh, Hank Williams is country. He's pretty cool as well. Uh, Willie Nelson is country as well. He he's he's hella cool. Uh, so, so it doesn't have to be all, all of the songs don't have to be about six packs and 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 girl girl legs and pickup trucks and stuff like that. You you, you can do it. A, a bit more tastefully is there something about trying to reappropriate the, the music from a non-right-wing perspective to take it into you know your version of it i don't know i mean i i i guess both me and Heyrich have a bit of a uh, tendency to go a bit retro uh, or, or at least a, a bit throwback in a way um I, he really loves 40s stuff and and uh, and me as well. Um, I guess that that old outlaw country. It's it's very cool, um, but it's also really fun to poke fun at it. Uh, um, the we've got this. Uh, we've got these outfits um, where I'm I'm in pink and he's in in, uh, in baby blue, mm. uh, and and that seems to confuse the hell out of everybody because. Uh, <laughs> It's no secret that uh, it's, it's he's he's completely open about it and has been for, forever that uh, uh, Heirik, he, he's gay and so uh, and 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 officially I'm not so um, so everybody here is, is is pretty confused about that they're like well why is why is, why is the one who's gay why why isn't why is he he's not the one in pink this doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he supposed to be the guy in pink? <laughs> it was kind of fun to 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 um, to do these weird sorts sorts of provocations. And you said that he's quite he's quite well known in in Ferrari's music scene already. Can you give us a bit more bit more detail on that? Yeah, he's he's had uh, a bunch of solo records. He's uh, he's made he's made uh, a, a a ton of music videos. For everyone, pretty much. If you if you know any Faris artist, he's probably made a music video for him. He's made a bunch of st- short movies as well, short films and uh, some stuff that's slightly longer, and a bunch of graphical work. He's like he's this really uh, he he can make everything. He, he makes music, film, and uh, whatever he wants. Like uh, he paints and he, he's amazing. He he's one of those people that you you kind of get annoyed at because they're good at everything. Um, yeah yeah and i'm like i'm i i stumble on 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 every 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 single thing that i do but like <laughs> so i try to you know been been faking it for a while now 
Um, but um, well, it it doesn't it doesn't come across like that. It doesn't come it across doesn't, like yeah. you've been faking it at all uh, in the Joe and the Ship Boys music or in uh, Cowboy Kex. But I can understand how you might approach it making music with somebody who are, who has that pedigree. Uh, might 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 be uh you know something you have to that might be a little bit intimidating um you know to to start collaborating with somebody like that do you think you've moved past that quite easily now yeah yeah uh i figured out we well with him we've got we kind of figured out that i mean i'm not particularly good at playing instruments but he's worse so i had that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like uh, he's a he's a really good singer and he can he can uh, um he can whistle really well but he's not he's not very good at playing guitar or piano or anything nor am i but i'm i am better better than he is so so is is there going to be a film that goes runs alongside the album then do you think <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna try to make as many music videos as possible both of the music right. videos by the way that we uh, released for Cobic X have been directed by Hyrie. Um, so it's, it's, it, it helps with the budget. Uh, we don't have to, don't have to yeah. pay a director. Well, it, um, it's just, uh, I'm just wondering, you're talking about um, uh, Hyrie making films. Is there much of a um, filmmaking scene on the Pharaohs? It's, um, it's been it's been getting um, slowly getting better like slowly getting bigger um there's been um, for, for for years and years the be there weren't any feature films but it, there's been a few feature films these last few years it's been like 3 or 4 or something um it was just a documentary that just got released called uh, skull which means cheers it's about uh a few friends of mine actually uh uh and it kind of feels like a uh a, a, a film it's really it's really cool uh i recommend that if you can find it somewhere um and yeah there's there's a bunch of these director types that that have been that's that they've like forever they've been making short films and they couldn't really get the funding for anything bigger and, and a bunch of those guys are yeah. Are, are making uh, feature-length films now, I think. They haven't been released. And actually, uh, the um, a, a series called uh, Trom just uh, wrapped, uh, wrapped. It's a, it's a, it's a crime series, uh, kind of like, like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a crime series called uh, Shetland, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, takes place in Shetland, kind of, you know, uh, Kind of these detective series sorts of thing, um, like these uh, Nordic crime dramas, you know. Um, sure. Yeah, the, they've they've just wrapped one of those, so that that's the that's the largest uh, movie production ever so far. Um, so that was a few million, uh, but not a not a not a gigantic budget by any means, but. but You've already mentioned that you're that you're in Joe and the Ship Boys. You play guitar with Joe and the Ship Boys. How does the, yeah. the songwriting and the songwriting and recording process differ between between the two bands? Um, right. Uh, good, good question. Um, the I, th- I think 
the the, the Copic X one is I mean it's kind of that that one's more it's more obvious like it's it's the band is us is us two guys and and then we get together over a bottle of wine and write a song um, like that makes sense right even from even if you didn't play music that kind of makes sense that's like if, uh, yeah uh, the the shit boys uh, the John the shit boys method of writing songs so far it's been really weird like we just get in a room and um and we we well so far we've we've always we've always just written songs when we need to record them so um for everything that's been released so far it's been uh we had this practice space and I, I'd set up these, uh, so I, I, yeah, I, I produced those records really badly. Like I, I put up these microphones around the room, just, just our normal practice space. And, um, and uh, like, I turn them as, as wrong as possible and, and try to record it as horribly as possible. Um, and then, uh, and, and it kind of happened, had to be like this spontaneous thing where like, Okay, we're we're rolling, or or like we're ready to roll. Uh, we need a song, uh, and then somehow we figured out uh, some sort of telepathic way of uh, writing, rehearsing, and recording a song in 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 an hour. Uh, but it helps doing everything live when when you do that. I lo- um, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. It just sounds so exciting that that way of doing things that the, the spontaneity of it i mean joe talked about it when, when we spoke with him as well um and that idea of i'm gonna just break the rules completely uh, <laughs> for the good of how this is going to sound or i want it to be you know yeah I want it to kick against what's uh i'm assuming that, that, that that's what that that's what it is have you kept up with that process of recording do you see yeah. is that what you do so so there must be um when you did it for the first time and thought I, i'm gonna do this this is gonna be shit and then listen back to it and said yeah that's shit enough <laughs> or <laughs> you think actually that's really that's really good we should keep doing that. uh well the first time that that was the that was uh, that was the exact thought um we, we wanted to make this shitty punk record and we like d- didn't care about it at all we didn't we didn't like. We didn't try to make it anything more than that. It it just had to be the shitty punk record, uh, and then, and then uh, when when it came time for release, we kind of figured maybe our release show should be more than two and a half minutes. So, uh, well, let's just write a few more songs, I guess. Uh, let's just have the microphones on and and record them uh, so we don't forget them. Uh, and and then like what what worked one time on on two tracks happened to work for ten more tracks, and, and then it worked for uh, a second whole album as well. Uh, um, and yeah, it keeps working uh, so far. Um, fingers crossed, I guess. Is there is there a second shit voice album ready to go then? There is. Um, I'm I'm not sure if that's a secret or not, but uh, hopefully not it'll be released. <laughs> not anymore. No, no. We've been we've been playing those uh, 
uh, we've been playing uh, all of the uh, all of the songs from the second album for forever now because uh, again we got we started getting booked for shows and they um, they wanted people wanted us to like how long do you want to want the show to be guys uh, 30 minutes how does that sound well that's kind of difficult when you've got 10 songs and they're <laughs> a minute each yeah so we were like oh shit well we got we gotta we gotta write another album we'll just to just to fill out just to do our time you know um so it, it was necessity I'm really i'm really looking forward to coming to see you when you play in the in the uk we will ben and i will be there for sure, for sure. Yes. yeah absolutely it's gonna be very That'd be lovely be great yeah i'm really looking forward to and it you guys must be super excited to to get out and do some shows it must have been a bit frustrating for this last year and a half yeah yeah it, um um, but uh, the, yes, the, the answer is yes. But uh, but to be fair, uh, we've had um, spurts of of being um, corona free here. So we've been we've been able able to play shows um, here in the Faroes every every once in a while. Um, so, like, for uh, it seems like for a lot of bands, they haven't played a show in over a year, and we we've played a bunch. So there's that. We just haven't been able to tour, but we've been able to like play at our at the local dive bar and and, and stuff like that. Um, uh, we we played in a we played in a tunnel, uh, <laughs> full on tunnel. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I think Joe mentioned that, didn't he? Joe did mention it. Was the, just after we'd spoken to him, it was that for the opening of a road, was it, or the opening of the tunnel? Was opening of the tunnel. That's great. Uh, it it's like three kilometers long tunnel. It was a proper tunnel. Um, yeah, we got booked for that. Uh, I guess we're we're a mainstream band now here. <laughs> <laughs> when we when we had Joe on the podcast, he gave us the the origin story. But um, seeing as you're sort of pivotal to that, can you tell us about how Joe and the Shit Boys came together, the name and uh, the origin of the band? Yeah. Um, um, well, this is going to be, is this an audio only or, or will the video ever get out? No, it's not recording, not recording the video. Okay. Okay. So, the, well, you, but you guys are watching, right? Um, yeah. Like you see over there. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, uh, that's the original, um, that's the original painting. I guess it's a painting um, of of of, uh, of the reason for hardcore vibes. Um, so um, I I got a I got a job to demolish this old school um, uh, that, funnily enough, Heydrich actually went to when he was younger, um, and I now live in because it was it was it got demolished and turned into a student's home. Uh, my uh, and and my partner. Uh, got a got an apartment here, so we live here now. Um, and then, like all the stuff had to go uh, be thrown out. All this, all the old furniture and whatever, old walls, uh, everything. Uh, and in much of this rubble, there's just junk. But I, 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 it was kind of like uh, every day at work was kind of like uh, like being at the flea market or something. Like I kept finding dumb stuff. 
uh, I kept finding old skulls of animals and <laughs> I took them home and gave it to friends. Hey, man, you want a goat skull? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, give it to give give another skull to someone else, and yeah, I think people got kind of freaked out by that for, for a while. But like just just all stuff from from the biology uh, classroom, um, and um, and pretty close to where Arts and Crafts was, uh, there was these uh, paintings by by students, and I brought a couple of a few of those home with me and one of those one one was uh, was the reason for Arco vibes uh, the the cover um and it has that text that 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 sentence the reason for hardcore vibes and and all the uh, those uh, the weapons um the gun and the hedge scissors maybe and um and it just seemed so it seemed so pure in a way uh, it, it it it's if, at least to me it 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 screams I'm 14 and I hate the world like like that teenage uh, not angst but like that really dumb edgy sort of teenage uh, uh, thing um, so that that was the first part of it and for the longest time it was just uh, standing on a shelf uh, in the practice space, and we had different projects going on, stuff like that. For, for the longest time, it, it was just there, and every time a a, uh, a guest would be would be stopping by, they'd be like, uh, "Can I? Could I use that for a, for a cover art?" No, no, you can't. <laughs> That's reserved for <laughs> for something. I don't know what yet, but it is reserved for something. Uh, at some point. Um, the name Joe and the Shit Boys appeared. I, to be, uh, to be honest, um, I don't remember where that came from. Um, um, I guess I'm the one who who came up with it. Uh, I don't know how anymore, but I do have a few other uh, band names that are kind of like in the same genre. So I guess I guess that was just one of them. Um, and I, th- I, th- I think it might have been. At least the, the shit part is is, is again. We uh, it just looks like the perfect cover for a shitty punk single, like shitty punk seven inch, uh, like one that isn't even good. It shouldn't be good. It should be it should be shit. Like it should be shit. It should be shit punk. And who plays shit punk? Joan Shit was. Um, so like it was just on the shelf and and for the longest time well, I was like yeah we're gonna we're gonna make this dumb like dumb side project called Joan the Shit Boys and uh, make shit punk and then we had to figure out who Joe was gonna be obviously none of none of the shit boys could be one I've, I I couldn't pull off being Joe and Joe and the Shit Boys that that didn't make sense. Uh, and and the drummer Johnny and 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 the the, the bass player Sammy, they they didn't have that like it's like mm. the name the name kind of demanded some guy with a lot of mojo. Um, so we called up Joe or or Free as he's called. Yeah. Uh, um, the weird thing was that it worked. 
um, there was there was no second choice or or anything. There was no addition. Really worked. Yeah. Uh, we um, there was no addition thing or anything. I just called him. Hey, come by, come by our practice space, and let's record this punk seven inch. Uh, uh, and let's just do that and figure it out what, what the hell we're else, what, what we're gonna do with that. Um, yeah, there's no pressure on it as, uh, either. I've been um, uh, I've been making a bunch of uh, seven inches about about like eleven or twelve, like a series of. of Different bands and, and stuff like that. I've been like really getting really into that format. I, I like it a lot. Um, uh, producing different bands and, and like every once in a while, like making up a fake one. And that that was supposed to be one of these fake bands that just exists for a seven inch, and, and that's it. Uh, I guess it kind of blew, got out of control there. Um, so you've you've got ten or eleven other seven inches made and and fake bands for them. Um, well, f- f- well, there's like no, not no, just just every once in a while uh, there'll be um, some like some sort of idea that it doesn't really fit into anything else. Like uh, the Cobra Kicks one, that's a that's a seven inch as well. Uh, uh, Midnight Gale and Sundquil Plantation as the as the B side, um, and and in in the beginning I didn't think it uh, Cobra Cakes would be more than that. I think I thought like Hyrick he's he's busy. He's gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna be able to keep his attention for for a for a seven inch, and then he'll move on to something else. But at least I'll we'll, we'll have that, and we'll have a physical release that could be fun. Um, there's um. Uh, a bunch of those, a, a bunch of those um, seven inches are, are local like underground bands that I've produced, uh, and and then a bunch of those are are different projects that I've, I've been uh, having fun with. Like there's a there's another project called the Ranches where everyone but Joe is a member of that band, and and then there's a uh, this one band where. Uh, called Killer Distiller. That's kind of a fake band. That's just me and Johnny Shits uh, tr- uh, trying, like, to play some sort of metal. I guess I, I, I'm not sure what, what the <laughs> genre would be, but it's not. It's like this lo-fi uh, gar- garage metal. I, I have no idea. Like, it just the idea was just to try to sound as beefy as possible uh, with as crap as equipment as possible. <laughs> but like that band has always has has never hasn't really existed. It it is it isn't a priority. We just made a seven inch and and played like two shows. Oh, that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Where do you where do you get them pressed up? You press them in the Pharaohs, or is the where do they where do you get the sevens pressed up? I've got a I've got a guy in Hamburg, Germany, who uh, who uh, 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 way back when um, I wanted to start pressing records and stuff. Uh, I, I started looking online for whoever was the cheapest one, uh, and then I came across these guys in Hamburg that that only press seven inches. They they, they don't make twelve inch records. So already there, that's that's pretty punk. 
like their logo at the time was was a swastika with the with a red circle and and line through so like real like they were really like anti anti uh nazi uh and i i was at at the time is this is about 2012 or so um you know trump hadn't been president uh, at that point so like people weren't really talking about uh white supremacists and stuff but i and maybe mm. they did in hamburg i don't know I, i it what surprised me was like are are there really like neo nazis trying to get seven inches pressed <laughs> and uh, like and and enough of them that they actually have to go out and yeah. say like please stay away from us we don't want to press you, your records yeah. <laughs> So I figured that, that those sounds like those that sounds like my guys. Uh, yep. Um, so I, uh, we pressed all the all of the seven inches with them. They used to be called Amisa, and now they're called Ramona Records. So where do people go if they where do people go if they want to find out about all these seven inch releases? Then Sigmund, we've got two record stores here in the Paris now, um, but that might be a long ways for people to go buy records. But if you go to a, <laughs> If you go to totalrecords.com, they're all on there somewhere. Um, and uh, uh, maybe the easiest way is to go to farmsteadrecords.com. It's it's not a real record label. It's just kind of a a list of of the of the releases I've been involved with or, or the releases I've like produced and um, stuff like that. Well, we can definitely put a, a link in in the show notes. Um. I'm really impressed by how fantastically creative you are. I mean, it must occupy the majority of your time. Have you always been so, so, so widely creative? Maybe. I don't, uh, I guess the answer is yes. If I, if, if I don't know the answer, um, um, from my own perspective, I'm not, I'm not that busy, but like if, if I look back, I, I guess I get, I get a lot, a lot of stuff done. So I guess I am busy, um, but I th- I think I I think I I have a lot of leisure as well. Like I I watch a lot of movies, I play a lot of video games, uh, uh, listen to a lot of music, and I lounge around way too much and waste my days on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> God damn, bad, man! You don't know, man. I've, I've I spend hours and hours on YouTube. Waste well, now time. you're one of those annoying people who <laughs> gets loads and loads of stuff done and still wastes loads of time. <laughs> man, oh man, uh, there's there's so much wasted time. <laughs> it's horrible. Like, like, you know, four or five hours of of YouTube in a day. That's uh, it's not it's not a good great look, you know. Have you have you got particularly fa- favorite YouTubers, or did you just disappear down? certain rabbit holes yeah it's it's the rabbit holes like every once in a while you you the algorithm changes um like pretty recently like uh youtube my youtube turned into a just a giant uh gordon ramsay uh website with all these gordon ramsay clips god it sounds like a nightmare yeah and (laughs) and then you kind of binge all of those and 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 I guess I'm finally done. So now it's starting to become more about the earth, like with animals and stuff. So. <laughs> You're going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
How did how did you first come to music? Was the, what was there music in your family home when you were younger? Yeah, um, my um, um, my father plays a lot of music. He's never uh, done a lot of shows. He doesn't write music, but he loves playing music. He's uh, uh, we're kind of opposites in in, in that way. Um, like he's he's this jazz guy. He he, he loves reading. Uh, from, from he loves reading sheet music and sorry um, and and like playing along to that and play and he plays piano and guitar and bass and and uh, accordion mostly accordion these days uh, but when I was when I was a child he he uh, he put me to sleep with uh, with his bass he, like uh, he he'd say good night and then he he'd jam on the bass for a while. Uh, that's lovely (laughs) and then he'd like jam out to some weather report or something like that so i guess i i heard all he he had all these (laughs) these jazz um, jams with me uh whilst i went to sleep so i guess that's why i'm playing punk music to uh (laughs) to to be like to go against that but um uh, but uh, as like as a really young child, we uh, there was a while where we got MTV here uh, in the early two thousand, late nineties. Um, you'd get you'd get MTV and a few other channels. There was BBC, BBC World, Eurosport was there as well, um, and and I watched a lot of TV back then. So I guess I you know YouTube wasn't invented, so I had to watch TV back then. Um, and, and I watched a lot of MTV, and and then at some point we, I, I, I figured out that if you, I figured out a way to play piano as a seven-year-old. Like I, if I figured out if you if you only stick to the white keys on the piano, uh, it kind of always sounds okay. And if you do the reverse as well, like if you only stick to the black keys on the piano. It's it sounds pretty good because you're 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 always in the scale. Uh, but um, and even later, I think we were in third grade or so. Um, me and a f- few friends, we 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 were we wanted to start start a band, and before before we we could start our band, we we had to write a few songs so we had something to play. It didn't occur to us that you could play other people's songs, so we started to write, and we didn't know how to write songs, but we we knew we needed lyrics, so we started writing lyrics. And I guess I never stopped. I guess I've been a, a closet poet for since I was a nine-year-old, um, and and at some point it, uh, I, I started writing music, and and then. I don't know. Things happen. Uh, um, you you get these ideas and, and you just follow those. Um, I've been watching. I've been. I, I've been. I've seen some interviews with David Lynch, and I like. I really relate to that. Like he he mentioned this this thing of catching ideas, and you just kind of follow that. Uh, um, I, I relate to that a lot. I think, like you don't really know where they're from, and 
it kind of feels more like an obligation than than anything else. Like, oh shit, there's this idea that we have to make into a thing now. Um, and then you just do that. I don't know. Are you any good at ignoring those uh, 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 ideas? Or do you, do you feel obligated to, to try them all as they come along? Yeah, a, a lot of those ideas never uh, never, never come to pass. But, um, there is this certain, like, um, you know, a, a lot of people are, are kind of scared to... Uh, to um, release their music, what like the, the thought is, what if people hate it? Uh, but but there's this the there's the reverse thought of that of what if what if I've accidentally written somebody's favorite song and I choose to never release it? Um, like that that that's horrible. Like then I'm like withholding happiness from from people. Um, um, so, so I guess you just kind of try to save as many of them as as possible. But I don't know. Like, if you if you have four times as many plans as other people, and you only complete half of them, you've still accomplished twice as much as other people. So, but you feel like a loser because you only only made half of what you wanted. <laughs> Um, it's a, a confusing place to be. Yeah, yeah. There's these ways of being really productive and feeling like shit the whole time. <laughs> I, I do love the idea that 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 perspective of um, not wanting to withhold potential happiness. Yeah, that's one of my favourite things that anybody's ever said on the podcast. That's, <laughs> I find that really impactful. I, yeah. I, I absolutely hear what you, I understand what you're saying, and that is a really great way to approach making something um because it's true right uh like uh, even with the with the with the guys you've sent over like uh, especially like a bunch of lo-fi stuff like you you kind of figure like this isn't this isn't gonna mean anything to anybody and then you uh, it's, it's like when stuff is kind of lo-fi and and, and uh, yeah but every once in a while something just hits you from what you're saying, it, it almost sounds like the, you're describing it that the music doesn't belong to you. It, I don't know. Is that at all right? Feels like that's a little bit of what you're, the direction you're putting it. An idea comes and it just, you just have to, you have to release it for, for whatever other people make of it. Yeah. Well, or, or at least if I want to be free of it, uh, if, uh, um, like if if I ever want to stop thinking about it, if uh, then 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 it's a good idea to get it out there and like then it's other people's responsibility to see if they like it or not. But now I'm I'm free of it. Now I can go do something else. I don't have to think about like oh there yeah there's this thing I should be uh, that occupies my mind. Um, maybe I yeah. Maybe there's something about it. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Um, there's this sense of like just getting it out in the world and um, letting other people decide if it's worthwhile or not. Uh, and like 
with with music and and, and a lot of creative things it's like it, uh, I, I imagine it's the same thing with film like a lot of the time with when stuff finally releases you're so far away from that place like uh, when, when a song finally releases like the if, if if it's about a heartbreak or whatever like when the song finally comes out that's probably a year or two after like you're kind of over it at that point but like when you wrote it you you, you felt it a lot more yeah yeah the, the process of making something takes you away from the idea as well even if you do it really quickly yeah you know you have that spark of that this is the thing i want to make i want to realize but then you have all of that the the, the technical thing the doing of it the the, all of the logistics and the process even if it's as fast as i don't know if that necessarily is works for joe and the ship boys because you do it so quickly but, but <laughs> even that process <laughs> takes you away from that initial thought um, yeah. so I, I do understand that but it, the question that as you're speaking that keeps popping into my head is um is not the process of it, it, does it have to go out is it not just enough to document something and then the idea leaves you alone for you it has to go out into the world i i, I sort of know what it, what you mean and feel quite similar about that but is it not just enough to write it down and then walk away um you'd think uh you'd think hmm. um I, I guess the clue is i i make uh i make a lot of uh seven inches uh yeah uh in in the in in the current world where th those don't sell at all um um so like there's a there's a there's a uh there's a aspect of like documenting it making sure it can survive for a while uh or at least pass on to something uh, um like maybe Maybe it'll mean mean something to somebody at some point. Um, yeah. When I was younger, I I I always wished that that maybe a grandfather, a great grandfather, a great 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 grandfather, um, had 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 some sort of uh, recording or a song or something from from their youth that I could uh, mm. like discover um, and maybe like relate to and. and feel less alone i guess um yeah um there's a there's a loneliness aspect to all of this when i was younger we used to drive up this motorway and my my or uh, a, a main road and my mum said oh that that her uncle built this bridge over the road mm. and it always made, used to make me feel really weird passing that bridge yeah really sort of significant that there was some even though it was an inanimate object it had some sort of lineage and connection for me yeah it, it was just a strange feeling yeah yeah but that makes total sense uh once when i was um, a child uh, my um, um I, I got picked up from kindergarten and me and my dad yeah we were driving home it was a um it was snowy uh and, and and uh, there was this turn, like this turn into a bridge over a river, uh, and like right in this turn, there was uh, we 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 started. Um, we, we, my dad lost control of the vehicle. It wasn't a dramatic crash; like the the head, uh, one headlight went off, but there was this um, this um, 
fence, like this this metal fence for for cars, like so they don't go go off the road. Um, I forget what they're called in English. Um, but like uh, just crash barrier. Yeah, this crash barrier was there that we 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 rammed into. Um, um, uh, apparently, like if if we if that crash barrier hadn't been there, we'd probably end uh, had ended up in the river. And uh, that crash barrier was there because my grandfather had told my grandfather, uh, who who worked in making roads and stuff, uh, that it should be there. Uh, wow. Like she insisted on it being there, and then, you know. 50 years later or so, uh, we crash into it. Uh, wow. Your, your story about the, your story about the bridge reminded me of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, if that's not a country song, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that story. That's fantastic. Um, we're, um, we're pushing close to the hour mark. So we will, we'll, uh, We'll start to wrap, wrap wrap things up a little bit, but um, yeah. Well, Ben mentioned it a little bit before, but future plans. What are you? What are your future plans? Other and there's 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 the touring with uh, with Joe and the Ship Boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully this year. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe. Uh, are things bad again in uh, in the UK? Like, uh, are things going to be open on in August September? They'll be open. Hopefully, and he said confidently. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was not even a delay there. You just said yes. That's <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, our, yeah. our 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 first UK gig this year is in mid-August, so that's gonna be yeah. Uh, it, uh, um, hopefully, that happens this year. But there's a yeah. proper tour in September. Um, Great. Um, and, and, and that's a UK tour, I guess. Yeah, it is. Like it's not a it's not a, a European tour. It's a UK tour. Um, that that will hope, hopefully happen. Uh, it's about that tour has been postponed a few times now, about four or five times. <laughs> uh, so we've been. Um, uh, it was supposed originally. It was supposed to be in May last year. So like originally you know when when everybody had to quarantine for two weeks uh you know those two weeks have turned into a year and a half god damn so, so we're we're still waiting but so is every, everybody else um and uh and so, so yeah a tour and and uh another album hopefully um like september somewhere there i think and uh, and this Kobekex album is pretty much done, like, uh, uh, recording wise, and entering like halfway there with the mixing now. But, and then I've got a solo album as well. Um, right, I have. Uh, I'm releasing a song tomorrow, actually, or uh, or uh, in. They always go out at midnight, so I guess it's in uh, a little over forty minutes. Or so, right? Something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- yeah. Tell us about yeah. your solo single. Uh, well, yeah, uh, um, um, a while back, uh, when I 
I'm when I turned um, when I turned 27. I'm not 27 anymore, but um, when uh, when I turned 27, I invited uh, a few friends of mine uh, over to a place. Uh, it, it's this village and there's this cultural center there, like practice space ish. And I brought a few microphones and, and, and a recorder and we just jammed. I didn't really want to have a big birthday party. So we just jammed a few songs and, uh, and we somehow recorded an album in a day. And, um, so I, I did some minimal overdub work on it and, and been, I've been releasing a few songs from that, um, uh, lately. Uh, so to, Tomorrow or like in, in in a bit, there's this single coming out called Seventh Day. Uh, it's my. Do you know Do you know Blur's Park Life? That yeah. song. Yeah, it's kind of a Park Life meets sixties Bob Dylan, I guess. Uh, something yeah, like yeah, that. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued now. That uh, sounds great. <laughs> it's this weird rambling thing. Like I wrote like a mid mid panic attack at a music festival it was great <laughs> um, I, I start going crazy if I drink for too many days in a row um, I start really like getting paranoid like, I'm dying now I'm gonna have a heart attack ah! stuff like that so at this long so does, this, does this song come from the paranoia then yeah uh, I've, I've somehow this one time I've actually managed to just like live it for a while. I just like was fully aware that uh, it, this was just paranoia and stuff, and I, I just like just went uh, <laughs> full method and was like, yeah, I wrote up like it was this long thing, um, and then years later I've uh, kind of threw it over this thing uh, and. Now it's the song that's releasing in 45 minutes. Um, um, and there's, there's been a few other songs that have come out of this. Uh, one's called Go to Sleep and one's called No Lions Here. Um, fun stuff. We, again, it's kind of a blur. Sorry to use that word again. Um, but uh, so I don't have a, a very clear memory of, of either writing it nor or or recording it but me and these friends of mine uh who who the best part was that they didn't know each other they only knew me uh, <laughs> uh so I, it's like i was the i was the one guy who everybody knew and and then they didn't really know each other uh, and then we just got together in the middle of nowhere and yeah played music uh, and I, I had somehow I always have a few songs kicking around that have, uh, that you can like, try I guess so hopefully that will come out soon fantastic we'll put a link to this the single in the show notes as well the way you've just teed it up, I think people are going to want to really <laughs> listen to it straight away. I know I do. Um, well, look, um, Siggy, thank you for coming on the on the show. It's been really fascinating 
to hear what you've got to say and to hear how you approach um being a creative person in the in the way that you do i found it uh really fascinating and 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 kind of moving as well uh, some of the, some of your descriptions of what you do and what and the reasons you do it have really yeah really struck a chord so thank you for being so open and, and sharing them and, and i and i look forward to uh uh the joe and the ship boys tour in the uk and we will yeah come over and say hi so you can um, see what we look like because you can't see yeah, what we look that, like right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe has promised to give Ben his t- uh, Ben a tattoo, so there's the, so there's that as well. Indeed. Yeah. Look, can we um, can we just round off now and, and and finish finish off the podcast with you in introducing the song that people are going to hear, please? Yeah. Um, this song's called Midnight Gale. It's um, uh, the title is a Moby Dick reference. Um, and it's by Cowboy Cakes. Sigmund, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Sigmund. Did you buy your last love? Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh.
Perfect. Songs from a Padded Envelope is presented, produced and edited by Steve Swindon and Ben Clay. Music is by state-sponsored Jukebox. Artwork is by Matt Canning. Songs from a Padded Envelope is a Hidden Hive production. (laughs) 